All right, greetings once again from Fremont E-Free Church. We're back here again on a Monday morning, diving into the Word of God. Acts 4, 32-37, Acts 5, verses 1-11 to is where we are this morning. So, Jim, I think this is an interesting passage. There's quite a bit going on, actually. I think you have two contrasting passages, actually, in 32-37. You have the church sharing everything. Uh, you have the particular example of Barnabas being generous by selling property and distributing uh, the proceeds to the apostles to then distribute to other people. And then in Acts 5, 1 to 11, you have Ananias and Sapphira uh, and their infamous example of, of lying to the church, really, deceiving uh, the church into thinking that they'd given more than they actually had, which is the issue. I think not that they didn't give all that they had, but rather that they deceived the church. That's the issue that's going on in Acts 5. And of course, they're struck down, which is a fairly memorable passage in the New Testament. So, all that to say, I think we have a lot to discuss today. I'd be curious to see how God has been working on your heart in the time since we looked at this yesterday morning. Last 24 hours, what's God been doing? How have you been convicted or challenged or encouraged as you think about Acts 4.32 through Acts 5, verse 11? Yeah, I think it's good the way uh, yesterday that we took time pulling back a little bit and seeing... Uh, where Ananias and Sapphira actually fits in within the whole book of Acts. I think a lot of times we focus in on chapter 5 and at Ananias and Sapphira so much that we don't take the time to back up and see Barnabas uh, in chapter 4 and to see how much the end of chapter 4 connects to chapter 5, that it is telling a bigger story here for us to see and understanding why is this story put in here right. about Ananias and Sapphira. Um and so, you know, I, uh, you know, so in thinking about Ananias and, and Sapphira, I mean, to understand what was going on in their heart in this story, I think was something really, really important for me to see that, I mean, looking at the story, you would have to think that they were looking at Barnabas thinking, man, here's this guy, man, he gave all that he had in selling this possession we need to look good like Barnabas. Right. Cause Barnabas was probably, you know, commended by others in the church and others were encouraged by what he did. And so he's probably getting some level of fanfare. That didn't seem to be his goal, obviously right. but that was happening. And right. so they're wanting to maybe keep up with Barnabas. Right. Like I want to be like Barnabas. I want that recognition. You know, I want, uh, that approval, uh, as well. And so to see like, that was the heart behind what was going on with them. Uh, is is really eye-opening for me to really think through. You know, we think about that they were lying to the Holy Spirit, which is serious. And, Obviously, yep. And we don't want to ignore that because uh, that's what that... So, but that's what their, their need for approval led them to do. Right. Which shows how deep that need for approval was in them, that they were willing to lie to the Holy Spirit in order to get that approval of man. You know, one thing that we said in our in our group last night was someone had commented this was like a Pharisaical mindset of performance and wanting to look good in front of others, even though they weren't Pharisees. Right. It was a pharisaical mindset, and it was just like that was something that hit me to think that, wow, how prone are we, even though we're not Pharisees per se, but that Pharisee mindset can can work its way into our hearts so easily absolutely, that we don't even realize what's happening until like 
you get to this moment and you're like, oh my goodness, what have I done? Yeah. Um, and to see that, it, I think that's really convicting to think through. Um, because I do. I mean, we had a really good discussion in our small group last night talking about um, just because my weakness is I do have this deep need of approval mm-hmm. and to be recognized. And uh, so that really, like when you were bringing those things out in the passage yesterday, I was like, yep, that is me. I I long for that approval. I long for that sense of being liked and um getting that pat on that back, you know, that mm-hmm. attaboy, you know, good job. I, I, I yearn for those things. That, and that's like, that's the idol in my heart that I struggle with. And so that was something like to recognize that, yeah, that idol is still there and I still struggle with that. And I need to still be working through those things. Yeah. I think the passage convicted me on a similar level. Um, you know, I think in the past, maybe when I've read in an eye since Safari, you just think, well, these guys are just, you know, they're morons like why would they do this like that's so ridiculous um but the more you you start to think about why they did what they did you can see why they did what they did and you can see how they got there right like the the scary thing about it is they obviously thought about it ahead of time verse two with his wife's knowledge he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid the apostles feet and then later on um in verse nine peter says how is it you've agreed together to test the spirit of the lord like they they so i guess that there's several kind of scary things about this like one they were together they became blind to their own sin right like it wasn't just like ananias going rogue and sapphire was like don't do it like no they're on the same page and they've obviously reasoned it out it wasn't a spontaneous moment of sin it was a moment that they planned on um so i I think what is and this is this is where I th- it's good that I think the spirit is convicting us through this, like to realize there, there's some Ananias and Sapphira tendencies in me um, that I need to be aware of, like namely some of what you're talking about that that I want people to uh, approve of me or to commend me or to you know the attaboy, like you said, and even even yesterday I was convicted that like after the message, um, there's part of me that like still steps down from the pulpit after just preaching this and wants people to have liked the message because ultimately I want them to have liked me. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think Ananias and Sapphira are, are a good warning for me, like to just, just be honest about what are my motivations here? Um, I think at the end of the day, what, what this is about Acts 432 to 511 is not about um, just, giving away money um that's part of it but i think it's more about the motivation right like wh- why do you do what you do um i think what makes barnabas different than in the of fire is he does it because he loves god he's being empowered by the holy spirit and he loves other people and in the of fire we're doing what they did because they love themselves and they wanted a pat on the back right and so I think it's a question of motivation more than it is action here. I don't I don't necessarily think that what's going on in Acts 4:32 to 37 is prescriptive. Right. And by that I mean um when I say it's prescriptive, I don't mean that this is a pattern that we're meant to follow exactly, that we all have to sell all of our property and then give to some leadership in the church and let them distribute as any have need. That that would that would be prescriptive. I don't think that's what's happening here. I think it's descriptive, right? Like there there is a pattern here that they're motivated <laughs> 
by love for God and their love for God then leads them to be generous towards others, right? So the, the what I'm saying is I don't think we have to live out Acts 4, 32, 37 exactly, but I think the principle is that we should love God and love others so much that sacrificing for others doesn't even really feel like a sacrifice. It's just what we do, right? Because we love God that much. And so it's a question of motivation here. And I think, you know, apart from the Holy Spirit revealing to Peter what was going on, I think we have to be honest in saying that what Barnabas did and what Ananias and Sapphira did from the outside looking in would look exactly the same. And so I think the warning in that is to say that two people can go through the exact same motions, but your motive is what matters in that, right? Like, so, you know, let's just say there's there's Joe and Larry. I, I don't know why I picked those two names, but we'll just say there's Joe and Larry. Maybe Larry's by example since Larry's one of the elders in the church. We'll say Craig, Joe and Craig, all right? And so, you know, Joe can read his Bible an hour a week and, or an hour a day, and he can do all these things, and, and Craig can do the same things. Like, and you could look at him from the outside and say, oh, they're both following God. But actually, what's their motive in doing it? That's the question, right? Right. And so I think, um, I, I think there's, just, there's just something sobering about this. Like, sobering for me, like, what is my motive in doing what I do? Um, and, and not that I want to become crippled by it. Like, I want to rest in the approval of Christ. Like, I, I do think, even though I struggle with people approval, um, that I am approved by Christ. Right. So I don't want to be crippled by this and, and think, well, I'm, I'm not going to do anything because I'm just so afraid of having bad motives. I don't think that's the approach to this. But I do think it is to be honest. Like, why are we doing what we do? And then still rest in Christ even as we admit. Sometimes our motives aren't the greatest. Like, but I'm going to rest in the approval of Christ. So that's some of the stuff I've been wrestling with since yesterday. Right. You know, to think about the fact that they, that Ananias and Sapphira were so, you know, they saw the value of the approval of man as more important than the value of the approval of God. Absolutely. You know, that is the issue, right? That, that is the issue there because you notice that Peter said to them, you know, you know, you didn't have to, it was yours to sell and do whatever you wanted to do with it. You know, they could have brought half the proceeds and said, here we go. Here are the half of the proceeds and nobody would have, shamed them right that would have been fine that would have been completely fine would have been completely okay but for whatever reason ananias and sapphira felt this i don't know i don't know if it was a like i don't know if you could call it a peer pressure a perceived peer pressure upon themselves that they had to look as good as barnabas right that they had to say we're going to bring all of our money just like barnabas or at least communicate that um because of the fact that they they did they lost perspective that the approval uh, of god is more important than the approval of man so being honest about half of the proceeds that you gave was more important than lying and saying that you gave it all uh and and that's yeah that so that's really interesting how they could get so caught up how Anan ananias and sapphira got so caught up in this right yeah, uh, into thinking this way, into f like feeling that they had to do this, is is you know is a little mystifying to me, and yet I know my own heart and think, yeah, I long for approval as well, and I hurt when I don't feel like I get that approval or get that recognition, or I see other people getting more approval or recognition than me, and I wonder why why am I not getting that as much as they are. Um, so I, at the end of the day, though, I look in and go, well, I'm, I'm not all that different, am I? Hmm. 
Yeah, I think there's. Um, it's pretty easy to be critical of Ananias and Sapphira until you look in the mirror and realize that there's more of Ananias and Sapphira in us than we know. So here, here's my question. I, I think if if we were to be honest, there's probably a lot of Ananias and Sapphira moments that happen every day, um, including in our own lives, like where we do things for the approval of people rather than for the right reasons. So why does God strike them down? That <laughs> That doesn't happen on a regular basis now, right? Like, um, it, it really doesn't happen on a particularly regular basis in either the Old or New Testament. I think there are obviously some cases where that happens. So my question for you, Jim, and maybe this is important of trying to understand where this lands in the flow of Acts, the book of Acts, like why did Ananias and Sapphira get struck down? Like if, if the standard is like we all have to be above where Ananias and Sapphira are, I'm afraid that a lot of us would be dead actually. Um, so what's what's the story with Ananias and Sapphira? Why, why are they struck down immediately, you think? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, it seems to me that Peter makes it very clear. You know, he says, you know, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. You have lied to God. You know, that's what he says in verse 3 and verse 5. So that seems to be um, the emphasis there. Now, it's interesting. I mean, I don't know. You probably studied this more than I did. The question I had was, it says, um, when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. So it wasn't like, it doesn't specifically say God struck him dead, per se. Uh, but it does seem to indicate that these words hit him in such a way. And I'm looking at at her as well. Um I mean, Peter does say this is going to lead to your death as well, right? When he says, you know, again, he, she's testing the Holy Spirit. And behold, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out immediately. She'll, she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. So it does look like there's some divine working going on there, right? Oh, yeah. I, I that, mean, I, like if you read enough scholars, there's there's liberal scholars out there who say, well, actually, you know, probably Ananias just had a heart attack. He was so surprised. That he was so him. shocked to right. hear and, what he heard. But, I mean, that stretches beyond the, the bounds of believability right. when you realize it happened to both Ananias and Sapphira. Right. And right. on top of that, Peter said, you're going to be struck down. Like, right. right. So, I, I mean, clearly, this is meant to be seen as an act of divine judgment. Right. Without right. question. Well, I think it probably shows the seriousness of lying to the Lord and lying to the Holy Spirit in front of others in this regard, right? Yeah, I think that's part of it. I, I do think a, a big part of it is where we are in the flow of the church here, right? Like, this is the early church. Like, we're not that far past Pentecost. I, I mean, I don't know where exactly we are on a timeline, but it can't be that far away from that. So the church is really early on in, um, or, you know, in its existence. And so I think I think what's happening here is that God is just setting an example for the church. Like, right. he's just wanting to be clear, like, hey, you know, Jesus may cover our sins, but sin is still a really big deal. And the idea that we would just tolerate uh, a known deception or we would tolerate a line to the Holy Spirit, we would tolerate uh, deceiving of the church or disrupting of the unity of the church. I think that's that I, I wouldn't discount that element also that they're disrupting the unity of the church here mm -hmm. where people would start to you know question, is this person telling the truth mm -hmm. or not telling the truth? Right. Like, mm -hmm. so I think all of those things lead to this being an example. Like, I, I think. You know, the, the more dramatic instances of judgment we see in both the Old and New Testament, I think are really meant to be examples and warnings to us. I don't think they're meant right. to be a pattern that's going to happen every time. Like Because again, 
If this was a pattern that happened every time, I think all of us would be dead by now because all of us have a lot of Ananias and Sapphira in us. Right. I think the issue, though, here is that he's setting an example and saying, this is how serious sin is. Like, that if you're if you're lying to the Holy Spirit, if you're lying to the church, if you're disrupting the unity of the church, like, this is not okay. Um, and I, I, so I, I tend to think that's why I think Ananias and Sapphira are being made out to be an example here um, and a warning to the rest of us. Yeah. Like tread carefully, like and on the other hand, rest in the grace of God. Like it is amazing that we don't get struck down the spot, and that God in His mercy defers His judgment because He rightfully deserves to strike us down the first time we sin, and yet He's merciful towards us, and He sent His Son to die for us. And so there, there should be an element here where we're warned by Ananias and Sapphira, but also an element where we're just grateful that God is so merciful and that he doesn't judge us in the same way, that he defers his judgment, and he even sent his son to pay the punishment for our sin. Right. So I think that's the other thing that maybe should come from me. Well, and I just wonder if there's a warning to not, like, a pharisaical mindset is is something that we need to avoid at all costs. Yeah. And to not allow that to enter into, into enter the church, right? Like... Yeah, it's easy to read the Gospels and just be, again, I think it's, it's the same way we could read Acts 5 and think, oh, you know, those knuckleheads in Acts and fire. We can read the Gospels and think, well, those Pharisees, you know, they're just ridiculous. Like, there's a lot of Pharisee-like tendencies in us, right? Like, Absolutely. Um, and so whether it be, thank you, God, that I'm not like them, right? Like that type of mindset right. or... Um, just the uh, adding rules where there are no rules in the right. Bible or um, self-righteousness. Look at me for my many words. Look at me for my many words or, you know, look at what I've done. Isn't this the basis of my approval? Like all those right. are Pharisee type mindsets. Right. And so I, I think I think it's okay for us to read a passage like this and be honest with ourselves that there's, there's a lot of Ananias and Sapphira in us. Yep, absolutely. Um, and to be humbled by that. Right. And to be on guard against sin, but to ultimately right. be grateful for the grace that we have in Jesus Christ. Right. To think that, yeah. I mean, I would think, well, I don't have a Pharisee mindset. No. Yeah, I do. More than I would like to admit. Right. And, and there's a good chance that if you're particularly um, adamant about denying it, that you might have more of a Pharisaical mindset, right? Like, right. Because um, the Pharisees would deny that. I think we just, some of it is we have to be honest. And I think. I think the thing that's a little bit scary about the Ananias and Sapphira story is that they were in cahoots together. Like, um, that, you know, one of them didn't step in and say, wait, wait, what are we doing here? There's a little bit of Adam and Eve story in this, right? Like where they're both kind of playing into each other's sin. And Mm. so, Mm. um, I, I guess maybe the, the caution in that is like, just because other people around you are saying, go for it, doesn't mean that that's the right thing to do. Um, cause that, that can happen too, right? Like you get in a group think mindset where oh, we all approve of this action. Therefore it's fine. It's like, well, the group doesn't determine what's right. It's God's standards of holiness that are right. And so right. I, I think there is a bit of a, a caution here too. Like, Hey, just because ever, you know, just because other people around you are saying, Hey, that's okay. Go for it. Doesn't mean that it is okay. Like we need to ask the question, is it line up with what God's word teaches? Right. Um, because Ananias and Sapphira together made this decision. Right. Well, let's try to maybe end a little bit more positively here. Um, let's talk about Barnabas for a little bit. Because I, I like <laughs> Barnabas. Um, what were you going to say? No. Oh, got it. Nothing. Okay. Sorry. Uh, yeah, let's talk about Barnabas. Okay, let, let's say you make it your goal. I, w- I want to be more like Barnabas. Um, right. How, how do you go about making that happen? How, how does that How does that happen, do you think? Like if your goal is to be an encourager, 
and be someone who's radically generous and sacrificial for the sake of others. Like you woke up this morning, you thought, you know, I don't want to be in and fire. I want to be Barnabas. Like what's, what's the key to making that happen, you think? Yeah, I mean, even look at, you know, Barnabas was actually, his name was Joseph, right? But the apostles called him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And I think there must have been something within Barnabas. I'll say two things. I think there was something within Barnabas that made him other-centric and not self-centric. Okay. That he's an encourager of others. He's caring for others. I think that's probably why he brought all his money from this field that he sold and laid at the apostles' feet because his motivation was not self-interest like Ananias and Sapphira, that it was other interest, that he was just thinking about meeting the needs of others, you know, distribute to each had need. He was like, there's people that have need, and I want to be about that. So I think that's the difference between the two. And I think, so I, because I think that's what you can see from the text I think what, so I think the next question is like, so where did that come from? Like, so why was Barnabas like that and Ananias and Sapphira were not? Um, you know, you pointed to this earlier. I think there had to have been something in Barnabas that said that he was so secure in who he was in Christ right. that he didn't need the people approval of anybody else. That's why he could think of others and not be concerned with himself right? because he had gotten to a point where he was so satisfied in Christ and who he was in God that he was able to do that. I mean, I see that true in my life. Moments when um, I am Ananias and Sapphira are those moments where I'm very inward focused. Mm. And my Barnabas moments in my life are the moments where I am so satisfied in Christ that the approval of man doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. That I can just go do what I want to do or not, not what I, so I should rephrase that. I can go do what I feel called to do just because I'm living for Jesus and that's all that matters. Yeah. I agree. I think that's the key. I mean, at the end of the day, Barnabas does what he does because he loves Jesus and because he's satisfied in Christ because he's resting approval that he has, I, I think. I think that's what's going on here. I think that's why the context of Acts 4 matters. I think that's why verse 32 matters, that they were of one heart and one soul. Verse 33 matters. They were a great power, giving testimony to the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Right. So I, I think the wrong way to approach this passage would be to read about Barnabas and think, why does he need to sacrifice more? No, I, I think the, the response to Barnabas is, I want to fall more in love with Christ so that right. I'm willing to generously make sacrifices that don't even feel like sacrifices, right? Right. Um, I think, you know, I don't know what missionary it was, but I remember some missionary who moved to Africa and lost his family and all kinds of, I think it might have been David Livingston, like he was asked, you know, what about all these sacrifices you made? And he said something effective, I never made one sacrifice. Um, right. Now, there's part of you that's like, well, that's not really true. Like there's lots of things that you sacrifice, but I think the point of that is to say like when you're so satisfied with Christ, the idea that you would inconvenience yourself, whether it be with time or with money or with your resources or just like general life convenience that you would sacrifice those things doesn't seem like a sacrifice if you're satisfied in Jesus. Right. And so I think now here's the trick. You can't just will yourself to love Christ more. That's a work of the Spirit too, right? And that's where we just have to be humble and say, if we want to be more like Barnabas, the place to start is to pray. Like, God, help me to be so enraptured 
by the truth of the gospel that it just spills over into radical generosity right. and radical care for others. But I think I, I think where we get in trouble sometimes is that we we hear about a Barnabas like story and we think, well, I just need to sacrifice more. And I, I think that's the wrong place to start. I think the the place to start is. I just I want to love Christ more, and because I love Christ more, then I'll make those types of decisions. But I think it starts with the love for Jesus more than it starts with a commitment to sacrifice. If that makes sense, I think the order matters, right? Like I love Christ more, and therefore I do these things. Not I'll do these things, and then my love for Christ will grow. Like I think it starts with the love for Christ. Yeah, yeah. I was reading Psalm thirty-one this morning. Uh, in these two verses. Uh, in verse six and seven really hit me where he said, the psalmist said, I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you've seen my affliction. You have known the distress in my soul. Like when other people are doing their own thing, he said, I'm trusting in you and I'll rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love. Mm -hmm. Like that's where he's rooted his satisfaction in. Even in, I mean, this says affliction and distress, but in anything that's going on around us, um, like even for Ananias and Sapphira, the answer for them was to say, I'm going to rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love, and I'm going to trust in you. Right. And I'm just going to give accordingly and not lie about it and and do yeah. this because I don't need Barnabas' approval. I don't need Peter's approval because I'm glad and rejoice in God's steadfast love. And that was really helpful for me to actually read that this morning, just to remind me in my own heart like, this is where my approval is. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what men may do to me. This is where I stand with Christ, with God, and where God stands with me. And that's enough. Yeah. That's good enough. That's yeah. more than enough. Yeah, someone pointed out last night in our gospel community group that, that ultimately, although Ananias and Sapphira were obviously motivated by love for people and a desire for the praise, not love for people, a desire for the praise of people and a love for self, like, some of what they did came down to a lack of trust in God, right? Mm -hmm. Like, why why would they be unwilling to give at the same level that Barnabas did, for example? Because they didn't trust that God would provide. And not that, right. I, again, I don't think the the conclusion to the Ananias and Sapphira story is sell everything you have and give it all away. Right. Like, right. I, I don't think that's Because that's not what Peter is saying. Right. That's not the conclusion. I, I think there's plenty of other instances throughout Acts and the rest of the New Testament where we say, no, that's not the conclusion to come to. Right. But I think what we do see is that they did lack trust, right? Like they, they maybe felt compelled that they should do that, which is why right. they want to give the pretense of doing it. But they maybe lacked the trust that God can provide for them. And so, like that, you know, it's all connected, right? Like our, our relationship with God affects the way we love others. Or maybe to trust that they would still be approved by others by only telling everybody that they gave a portion. Yeah, that's good too. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, their, their lack of trust in God could have been evidenced in lots of ways in this story. Right. One of them could have been that they didn't even sell their property at all, but they trusted that the church would know that was best for their circumstances and that they were still content in the approval that they had in Christ, right? Like right. that would have demonstrated a trust in God too. And right. so where they went astray there is likely at the level of trust, right? It's, it's right. seeing God as sufficient right. and resting in his approval rather than trying to get the approval of others. And right. again, that's something I think we can all relate to. And I, I hope that... This week we're just thinking through like I'm I'm approved in Christ. That's enough. I don't have to I don't have to impress others. I don't have to make them think I'm something that I'm not. I can be who I am because I'm completely confident that God is satisfied with me through the work of Christ. Right. And I think that recognize there's a good like one of the things we said in, in our group last night is wow, this runs deep. 
Mm. This need of approval from others, uh, man, it runs deep. It runs deep. Like I recognize that this is an area of dependence where I'm always going to have to rely on the power of the gospel to remind me of this truth of who I am in Christ uh, because I can fall victim to this repeatedly. Like this is my kryptonite. Um, This is where I struggle. And so I even more need to be resolved to run to God and to remember who I am in him. I mean, that Psalm 31 super encouraged me. Uh, this morning, and I'm going to need to run to the word again tomorrow right? and the next day to for those reminders to say, God, I'm coming to you today to remind me who am I in you? Who are you? And let me be satisfied in that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not a one time thing, right? It's a continual right. thing. I mean, even for Barnabas, we'd have to assume that he had to keep running back to that day after day after day. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think. I think one of my hopes for me from this passage is that I just learn to rest more in Christ's approval and not try to strive so much for the approval. Right. And to see how good he is too, right? Yeah. I mean, like if this need runs deep in my heart, I need something really big to fill that. Right. And God can do that. Like he's more than able to do that. So it's like, okay, man, give me these strong reminders like I was really thankful for Psalm 31 this morning and like, man, I need, I'll probably need it again today. Some point in time. Um, I need it. I need that often. Yeah. Good. All right. So we are headed towards Acts chapter five verses 12 through 42 next week. So as is often the case in the book of Acts, there is a lot of territory to cover. So, uh, and this is a critical moment in the life of the church. Yeah, go ahead. You go and tease. What? What? How so? Well, just like this is a moment where the the church movement could have come completely to an end. Right. Right. All the disciples gathered up, arrested, gonna get put to death. Like this could have killed the movement. Like I feel like there's a big moment here. I think, uh, or at least I've, every time I read it, I kind of feel that way. Like this is significant. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I think there is a a, a, a significant moment that's going to happen here in Acts 5. And um, it's another reminder of God's provision and His care and how He empowers His people. The courage that they show in this chapter is pretty amazing. Right. So look forward to talking about that next Sunday. Until then, I encourage you to keep looking up, keep trusting Christ, and keep resting in the approval that you have if you're in Christ. Amen. Have a great week. 